0: The Blockbusters Podcast is proud to be a member of the Podbros network. You can find us as well as other fantastic podcasts such as Pencil and Ink Review, Another Damn Trivia Show, and The Language of Bromance at podbros.com, as well as on most other fine podcasting
1: services. Now sit back, relax, and prepare to share and enjoy The Blockbusters Podcast. Welcome to another episode of our blockbusters' series, Film Spotlight, where we have someone on, basically anyone that'll come on to talk about a film they love and a film they hate. And this time out, we have an interesting guest. She is a political fly on the wall, a podcaster, a comedy evangelist pop culture curator, and descendant of Liana Mormont. And I'm assuming I pronounced that correctly, but anyway, she is Kayleen Griffin. How are you doing?
0: Hi, I am lovely. How are you, Paul?
1: Eh, not doing too bad. (laughs) Yes, unfortunately, Brian had other commitments, so he will not be here today. So it is just me, yet again. All right, we'll start off with the film that you love, and... The way I normally do this is I try and guess which genre it's going to be in, because why not? And I think I'm going to go this time with either a horror film or a spy film.
0: I actually, uh, part of the reason I was hesitant to get involved with uh, my current podcast, uh, Soiled Western Cinema, is because I am actually not a huge horror fan. I am, however, a huge sci-fi fan.
1: Okay. Damn it, I should have gone with that.
0: (laughs) I picked an indie sci-fi film. Well, a quote-unquote indie sci-fi film. And it was made in 2007 before this director while this director was known but it was before he really hit it big. It is Danny Boyle's film, Sunshine.
1: Alright, this is one that I have not seen despite Really? I know, I've I keep, no. I keep seeing it like in the listings and stuff, but I never actually ended up watching it.
0: Okay, this excites me because I am like an evangelist of this film. Like, okay. And obviously this was before Slumdog. It was post-Train Spotting, pre-Slumdog Millionaire and Jobs.
1: Yeah, and my wife is a big protester for Slumdog Millionaire. She hated that film. And I really liked it. So it always I understand interesting.
0: why it would make people uncomfortable.
1: Yeah, and I, I don't actually fully understand why she doesn't like the film. She just I think for
0: some people, it walks a fine line, like considering he's a white English director, it walks a fine line of like exploitation and cultural appropriation.
1: So I, I guess suppose. I get that.
0: But I, 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 I don't know. I feel like... I feel like Danny does these things from a point a sincere point of view. If you look up the cast list of this film alone, I mean you know he he's legitimately about diversity
1: yeah i i I've never thought that he would like ever came across as anything other than this is just what this story is. Right, so. that's
0: how I feel too. But I understand why people might think that, especially with like tabloid reporters love to jump over, like all over the children um, yeah. from *Slumdog Millionaire* and what happened to them after the movie. Here's the thing, though: like, look at what happened to Lindsay Lohan with her parents. <laughs> they ruined her life too.
1: Yeah, uh, and the I mean, there's plenty of. Child stars that were mismanaged and uh, like having troubles growing up.
0: Granted, this is on a bit of a more serious human human rights scale, but at the same time, it's it's not right, but it is a product of like the culture. Um, I think what's really interesting about this movie too is how it. um, If you look at the cast list. It's like a who's who of, you know, four years from now, who's going to be an A-list star?
1: Yeah, I um, know, I, I know that Uh, Cillian Murphy,
0: Cillian Murphy yeah. is
1: the main guy in it. And yep. having recently started watching Peaky Blinders and also really enjoying him as Scarecrow in the Christian Bale stuff, I, I'm i done to think that I should really pay more attention to his... Catalog of films, because I think I, Breakfast um, on
0: Mars is brilliant.
1: All right, I'll have to it.
0: it's a, well, it's a film about like uh, this guy who grew up in Northern Ireland in the seventies. Ah, oh, okay. Michelle Yeoh, of course. I mean, she was she was arguably like one of the biggest names in the film at the time, right? Um, Troy Garrity, who a lot of people know from being the white guy trying to. Uh, <laughs> Trying to make his way in the barbershop films, but more importantly, Jane Fonda's son. Oh, and actually, even more importantly, he uh was nominated for a Golden Globe in um, I think it was a uh, Soldier's Girl, where he uh dated. It was a true story of a transgender. Oh, it, he dated a transgender woman, and he was beaten to death for doing so. Yeah, yeah. Um, he's well, done, right. yeah he's done some really underrated work. Uh, Rose Byrne, of course who we all know from Neighbors, Damages, Bridesmaids, uh, Troy, whatever.
1: I think, as well.
0: Yes, yes. Um, Chris Evans, of course.
1: <laughs> yes, and that would be the American Chris Evans and not the British Chris Evans. <laughs> right. Two very different not people. Not the
0: one who just got fired.
1: Actually, he left. I, I heard, okay, okay. No, he decided he was done. And, yes, yeah, so, yeah, basically thinking that British Top Gear is unfortunately just done for. so
0: Right, I know, jo- Joey. Joey ruined that for everybody. <laughs> Joey gets any series cancelled.
1: With the exception of episodes. That oh, still I go. know,
0: that was brilliant. That was brilliant. <laughs> um, And also, Mark Strong was in this.
1: Oh, okay. Uh, and, that um, one's kind of random.
0: <laughs> I, like, there. it's random and also, um... It's just unexpected. with I mean, these these people were all on the cusp of stardom before, when they started in this movie. Yeah. And um, the plot, in case you guys don't know, is um, and it starts out literally, it starts out uh, the same way it does in the trailer with the Killian Murphy narration is that the sun is dying unexpectedly. Obviously, millions, hundreds of millions of years before it's supposed to. And it's caused, you know, a global winter. Winter is coming. Winter has come to Earth. Um, And so they already sent a spaceship there with a uh, nuclear bomb that had been uh, a device developed by and Murphy. But they were supposed to drop it into the sun uh, from a distance that they keep referring to it as the payload and from a distance that they could actually survive and come back but much like another movie uh event horizon love that one i know and but the, even though it does have some like derivative elements of this it's still it still feels fresh and original the it, and these uh the ship was called icarus which i love, this, I, love I okay I love this movie. I okay. I love this movie so much. I am going to call it out on its faults because the movie as a whole is so good that you can overlook these things. Why would you name a spaceship? You want to be a successful Icarus? Well,
1: um, yeah, and that, that is a little. In, I mean, it's probably because humanity has a sense of humor that's slightly uh, ironic at times. So I mean,
0: maybe you're trying to lean into it to like. Not jinx themselves. I don't know. But it got past Mercury. It was almost close enough to drop the payload. And then for some reason, it just stopped moving and they lost contact. Right. So they send Icarus 2. And this time, Killian Murphy goes with them. And there's just so much more complexity with it. Like they actually look into how that kind of trip and the stress it would put on somebody just traveling there. Uh, Like they don't even get into the point that they're like trying to figure out what happened to these people. They're just dealing with their own personal stress. And I feel that's really interesting. Like they have a, they have a psychiatrist on board. They have a botanist on board who has a garden to grow plants for the primary purpose of like, providing oxygen
1: his name isn't mark by any chance is it (laughs) or did they uh, did they give him a different name there because if if his name was mark then unfortunately the martians stole that
0: Uh, oh by the way um the guy who i said is the crossover to the next movie i'm going to do was also in the martian oh okay yeah um (laughs) but i thought it was no this was michelle Yeoh's character um the biologist i'm sorry a biologist uh his name is corazon and this is what i thought was interesting danny boyle said she could have any part she wanted even if she he had to change that part from a male to a female and she chose the biologist
1: well either he really liked her acting ability or something else
0: (laughs) well i don't know she that this was like around the time of Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon, and Memoirs of a Geisha. Right. She, she she again. She was arguably one of the biggest names on the movie. Um.
1: Yeah. And yeah, you know, of course, how could we forget Tomorrow Never Dies?
0: Oh yeah. <laughs> um, uh, we can because I did.
1: I say m- much as you want to, uh, you <laughs> <laughs>
0: um. But I, uh, they, um, they had all these people, and then like, of course, Chris Evans played. He was supposed to be like the ship engineer or something. And um, considering I actually looked up the budget of this film, it was only, I believe, 13 million. And I recommend anybody watch it for the special effects because there is, they have like a viewing deck on the ship. And when they get close enough to see Mercury, they invite all the, um, everybody to come on the viewing deck to see Mercury and you have to like have, protective gear on or whatever
1: yeah
0: and it's beautiful like it's poetic but apparently actually the psychiatrist played by clip curtis gets like addicted to the viewing deck and he tries to stay there like to the point where he gets blisters on his face so there's like something addictive and hypnotic about the sun that starts to drive people mad and it um as they get closer, of course, something goes wrong with the ship. And the align- there's an alignment with the shield that basically looks like a giant, like, leftover lid of a jiffy pop. And it gets out of alignment. So, of course, uh, they have to send somebody out to realign it. Things go wrong. <laughs> Not everybody survives. But the interesting thing is one of the crew members commits suicide. Okay. Once he once he gets, he's in, uh like, he's supposed to be, like, in containment. But, you know, the psych, uh, the psychiatrist on board is so obsessed with watching the sun that he doesn't keep a good enough eye on him, and he kills himself.
1: All right. Well, I'll tell you what. How about I'll cut you off there for the plot, just so anyone that listens to this is thinking, oh, I want to see it. They don't end yeah. up. Nothing. Oh, no, just...
0: no. We're only down about two crew members at that point.
1: All right, well. Oh, and
0: I will say Rose Byrne keeps referencing a nightmare she has about landing on the surface of the sun. And they flash back to it, and she keeps bringing it up, the surface of the sun.
1: Okay. So... I mean, obviously, if you're on your way to the sun to try and reignite the sun... Then chances are you're going to be having dreams about the sun while you keep looking at the sun that you're heading towards.
0: <laughs> right, but it's—I mean—it's kind of obvious. Like there's foreshadowing involved, but um, yeah, and there's motives in terms of power and selfishness. Um, and uh, I will say, Chris Evans kind of proved his chops uh, before he was. I think uh, this was around the time of Fantastic Four. Right, <laughs> which we can all forget. But yes, um, um,
1: I personally think his top performance was not another team movie, because
0: <laughs> especially when he gets the panties thrown at him.
1: I was gonna oh. go with the uh, the scene where he had the whipped cream and the banana. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you
0: and I are the only two people who always think of him associated. That
1: movie. Well, to be fair, I can see Chris Evans as someone that would still do that film today. If they came to him and said, "We want you to do this role," I think he would do it. He seems like someone that's really up for that.
0: And you are. That's the thing. he knows well enough to know that, like that, makes him likable.
1: Yeah, and yeah. Aside from everything else about the guy, yes, that makes him likable.
0: Oh, also, um. This movie spawned one of the most um, ubiquitous uh, scores to movie trailers that you hear today. Right. It was uh, John Murphy's, I think it's Adagio in D minor. Okay. And I swear you hear it in everything. <laughs> but it started from this movie.
1: So uh, this was, or at least from then up until the boing started and everything. like that. Now that's taking yeah. over. Okay. The well, boss, yeah. Yeah, I'll, I'll have to look out for that. that I'll, I'll probably at least look up the trailer uh, at um, some point the, this weekend.
0: It's yeah. The the Adagio in D minor is not in the trailer, but if you look up like Sunshine John Murphy, it'll it'll pop right up, and okay. you will be like so. That's where that came from.
1: <laughs> All right then. Well. You've kind of gone over the, the first two questions I had. So how about I jump to, do? You, what's your favorite moment or scene in the film? And why is that your favorite moment or scene?
0: Um, okay. It's a bit of a spoiler alert, but it's halfway through. Okay. Uh, there is a moment where they dock with the old ship. All right. And they're exploring it. And then something goes wrong. And they have, and it breaks away and they have to try to um, a few of them have to try to project themselves over to back to the ship. Okay. Um, and there's not there aren't enough suits. So one of them has to wrap themselves- actually no, there's two of them. no, two of them have to, okay, there are three people left. two of them, have to wrap themselves like in insulation, like spare insulation, literally, right. to get themselves back over to the ship. And the even the discussion about it, you see like where, who's really brave, and, you know, the justification of keeping yourself alive, and just, and also the effects of it. And obviously not everybody makes it across. Right. And even that moment, is just so horrifying you know it's like it's not gory but it's like horrifying in a way you can't turn away from like it's like the whole thing in space nobody can hear you scream yeah and you see how exposure to space like they show that like how you you're i mean how your breath is literally taken from you and you become basically nothing
1: yeah and,
0: um, But just the moment leading up to that and the whole sequence of that is probably my favorite part.
1: Okay. Right, it's, a... it's
0: thrilling and horrifying and telling. I don't
1: know. Well, that, that's always great. Like, that One of those things that can be great about films is, especially if it's gripped you, like it can do those things and really make you think about a bunch of stuff but also forcing you to have to come to terms with it very quickly and continue on with the story so all right, that, that well, and cool. also
0: in uh, at such a small budget how they did something like so precise and in a way that was so captivating with yeah. with graphics <laughs> considering they had such a small budget
1: yeah and it, that's always interesting when you look back at some of the some of the films that you really liked and you go, wow, these guys didn't have any money, especially compared to now.
0: (laughs) Especially compared to the one I'm going to talk about
1: (laughs) next. (laughs) All right. Well, just before we jump to that, then my last question for this side would be, I'm assuming there is no sequel to this one. I haven't heard of one if there is, but would you want a sequel? And if you would, what would you want it to be?
0: I don't want a sequel so much as I want the I would like them to go back and refine the third act. okay because as much as I passionately advocate for this movie and I, I think everybody needs to see this movie. Mm-hmm. Um, the third act is undeniably flawed and hmm. it slips into a lot of like uh, derivative and cliched kind of like sci-fi horror tropes. And I was disappointed in that. It almost feels like, it feels like there was, I I would like to talk to Danny Boyle or the producers or the writers to figure out what happened. Because (laughs) it felt rushed and almost like they panicked to just try to get it together. Maybe they ran out of money and they just need to figure out what to do. Like the effects actually in the final sequence are beautiful. And the final sequence is actually great. But I would say the 20 minutes in between, 25 minutes in between, is problematic, and that's what I would rather see done than a sequel. Okay. Well, and and actually, uh, the final like moment, they did another voiceover at the end, right. and it 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 left you satisfied with okay. the resolution.
1: Okay. Oh, that. And I know some films that are just really great, and then the last couple of minutes, just kind of fall flat and that can slightly ruin it for you. But as long as it finishes well.
0: And yeah. that's, well, that's what makes it so unique is that the first two thirds of the movie, brilliant. Right. And then there's like 20, 25 minutes where it's just like, ah, oh, you're going to go this direction. Really? <laughs> and then the last like two minutes, you're like, I can live with that.
1: Okay. All right. Well, uh, I'll definitely have to look at it. Then. <laughs> uh I, I think you've sold me on that one. I'll, I'll I'll check it out as soon as I can. Having said that, I don't know when that will be, but I, I will try. Uh, all right. So moving away from the ones you like into the one that you don't like so much, and as is well documented by now, I'm not even going to bother guessing which genre it's in because. As you well know, there are so many bad films and so many genres, it's just impossible to guess. So why don't you tell us, what film don't you like that you want to talk about today?
0: I wanted to tie it in, again, because we've had something that has been so... A sci-fi film this summer that has been so terrible, I don't even want to cover it on my podcast because it just seems exhausting. But we oh, still have a you? few that we don't know, we're nervous about, but we don't know yet. So I was going to keep the theme going for Summer. Prometheus.
1: Already, this is one I have seen. Mm-hmm. And I understand why people don't like it, and I agree somewhat with most of what they say. So, so why don't you tell us specifically what it is that makes you not like this film?
0: Okay, here's the thing. Like... This is why it's more interesting to me to talk about Rather than a movie I outright hate I don't so much Hate this movie as I resent it It is so much Promise So much hype And (laughs) such a disappointing Payoff It is such a frustrating example Of mediocrity (laughs) It is one of those movies I have watched countless times Hoping it'll get better Somehow
1: (laughs) Yeah, I I don't know if I ever rewatch film thinking it will be better, but sometimes I'll rewatch film just to go, yeah, this was shit.
0: Oh, no, I know it's not going to get better, but I still <laughs> trick myself into watching it again saying, maybe this time I'll see something in it that'll be like, oh, yes, it is good. <laughs> and the viral marketing campaign for this film was brilliant. It was so good and compared to how bad this movie was i mean my god <laughs> they did a fake ted talk for the viral marketing campaign i mean really
1: that's great i don't think i've seen that what oh, uh... oh
0: they did they did the ads for like the Adam. like the, they called them the adam dolls
1: oh yeah and uh, it's like i've seen that as introducing david isn't it
0: yeah, or David, I'm sorry. Like and his eyes opened behind the plastic like he was in a Barbie case. And then and then they had Guy, uh, Guy Pierce doing like as a young man doing um TED Talks. I was so excited for this movie based on the viral marketing. <laughs> and then this happened.
1: Yeah, this this film I fully understand what it was they were trying to do with it. Right. <laughs> And I'm all for the rebooting, as it were, of the Alien series, because they kind of did everything they could with what they had. So just trying to continue on without Ripley, but making it a sequel, that doesn't work. So you needed to reboot it. But yeah, it really did just kind of fall flat on its face, and uh, no disrespect to the one astronaut that couldn't run to the side in the later parts of the film. They just, just did the running straight away from the thing falling down. But anyway, that's... Uh...
0: Oh, God. And they had so much to work with. And they worked with all the wrong... I feel like the focus was on everything wrong with this movie. <laughs> Honestly, okay, like, the first 20 minutes of this movie were, like... I would just take that as a short film. I want a novel written about, like, the, the, the prologue.
1: Yeah, that opening bit with the alien that dissolves. Yeah. That was done in a way that should have worked, but just left so many questions that were then not answered in the slightest.
0: Because it was so much more interesting than the rest of the movie. <laughs>
1: Yeah, and I also thought that later in the film, and I'm going to try not to spoil it, but later in the film, you come to realise what that alien was, but it didn't look like the other ones. It looked different than that, but, so
0: yeah, it wasn't a real answer.
1: Yeah, I think that is the big problem with this film. Is it gave you so many more questions and answers. And sometimes answer the question that wasn't asked in the first place. So <laughs>
0: It was all set up and no payoff.
1: Yeah. And yeah, you know, fair enough, some films can do that because they are designed to be two, three, four films. So you can have set up for things that will be paid off. But this film, even though there is sort of a setup for a sequel, really it, it didn't feel like it was set up for one.
0: No, not at all. Yeah. And also... Um, okay, guys. Spoiler alert. Plug your ears if you yeah. haven't seen it. You need to see it just to understand our frustration. Um, <laughs> you don't kill off Idris Elba if you're going to make a sequel.
1: Yeah. Yes.
0: <laughs> I think... Don't you think that... Like, leaving him alive... Like... I would be very interested with uh, and I don't even remember Noomi's characters uh Elizabeth, was that her name?
1: Uh, I think so. Shaw,
0: Elizabeth Shaw yes um, if she, Elizabeth Shaw and David were going off into the universe, that would have been more interesting to me. That would have been like okay, I want to see what those
1: three are going to do. Yeah <laughs> I mean that I think there is one film where you can justify the killing off of Idris Elba. And I'm not going to say specifically what it is because it's also a spoiler for the end of that film. But I will I will say that the sequel for that film has been in jeopardy for a while but might be being made. So I'm, I'm going to leave it as cryptic as <laughs> I that. I like this one. Yes, uh, but unfortunately I believe this one is going to have a sequel I'm willing to give the sequel a go because surely by this point, they must've heard the uproar about the first one.
0: Yeah. Oh, 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 okay. I just read something very interesting. Um, the viral video campaigns were directed
1: by Ridley Scott's son. Nice.
0: So can we just have him direct the
1: sequel? Yeah, there we go. Uh, Maybe.
0: Luke Scott, please direct the sequel. If you're listening, which you well,
1: whatever. Uh, no, apparently, Ridley Scott is directing the sequel. Yeah. So, well,
0: he needs to listen to his
1: <laughs> listen to Luke. Okay. Yeah, maybe it, he's directing it, but Luke's just sort of sitting next to him, going, Are "You sure you don't want to do this?" And mm-hmm. so, How about we do this? <laughs> That's going be fun.
0: And hmm. also, I'm a sucker for anything that uses Chopin's uh, Raindrop Prelude. So, like, like David's whole uh, hyperspace education, yeah. that, that sequence in the beginning, I mean, I loved that. And <laughs> I hate this... Okay, I'm so angry about this movie, but I loved Michael Fassbender in it. I feel like if the rest of the characters had had more interesting di- dynamics, uh, it would have been better because... It just seemed like he was acting in a different movie than the rest of them.
1: Well, yeah, and Fathbender is a fantastic actor.
0: Oh, phenomenal!
1: And the fact that he was in this, it was supposed to be like, okay, this would help the film along. It's like, no. Right? And I, I don't want to fault the other actors, but it's kind of like, let's say, okay. if you were to have a film with Robin Williams and only kid actors like oh no, i don't know
0: Rob jack and Cook.
1: <laughs> yeah okay yeah I'll, I'll grant you that yes <laughs> that would be the level of difference between fassbender and everyone else in this thing.
0: well and that's why i think idris elba should have lived because he's the only one capable of rising to fassbender's level
1: yeah pretty much <laughs> and i
0: think yeah okay and there's so much about um Michael Fassbender's like android character okay this is so weird but um you know he had a sense of smell and I know he's trying to be superhuman he ate he ate so does that mean he like recycles it in his body or does he like you know uh defecate plutonium or um you know, change it into the plutonium, and also um when he was smelling the slime in the cave, how he reacted to it, they couldn't decide how much of an android they wanted to make him no. i mean there were it, he went back and forth he was like he was like a bipolar android
1: well the, the biggest problem with his character is he is the newest android that is supposed to be indistinguishable from humans. So basically setting up the androids from aliens, but he is also designed to act a certain way around certain people as well. So he gave him too many parameters to work with.
0: They made a synthetic sociopath. I mean, that explains Hannibal Lecter. Maybe that's David's descendant. I don't know.
1: Maybe. And, to be fair, he plays it perfectly. It's, yeah, it's,
0: <laughs> I, and that's the thing. Like, any any of the inconsistencies, I don't blame him for. I blame the writing and the direction.
1: Yeah, it was one of those I films can't. that when I was watching it, I kept looking at my watch. I was yeah. like, how much more of this is left? Like, really? <laughs> is it still going?
0: And then, you know, you have Charlie Throng getting, like, basically, like, mowed down by the, like what looks like a Price is Right like, wheel
1: yeah, and yes this would be the person who, despite being a relatively intelligent person does the the film thing of, something is falling at me, so I'm just going to run in a straight line and hopefully I get out of the top rather than if she'd started running right or left, she'd have been fine zigzag yeah, there you go, <laughs> Serpentine. You okay, hey, hey, hey,
0: Serpentine. Okay, hey, Game of Thrones fans, you'll you'll appreciate that RIP Rickon. Um, but uh, I really hope
1: that's not a spoiler for a recent series, because otherwise, I'm gonna have to please that
0: out. <laughs> uh, uh, if anybody doesn't know yet, no, it no, it the, the Game of Thrones the season finale was like over two weeks ago, so
1: no. Well... My wife is halfway through season two. Oh.
0: (laughs) Okay, just delete the RIP recon part.
1: (laughs) I might have to. Maybe I'll shove a hold the door line in there or something.
0: (laughs) That's a spoiler. (laughs) Uh,
1: I know. I know it is.
0: What the hell was Charlie Theron doing in this movie? Like, the best (laughs) acting she did was the voiceover in the trailer. (laughs) I mean,. My god, she was terrible.
1: Yeah, it's uh,
0: she was she was better in that movie with Jeff Daniels and what it was. Mike was Michael Richards in that
1: movie. I'm not sure. I, I can't, lawyers.
0: I'm gonna know. I'm sorry. I'm looking at it. Was, it was in the 90s when she was like first becoming a thing. Uh, devil's advocate. I'm pretty sure, huh? Devil's advocate. No, 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 it was after that. Uh, now I'm looking real quick. <laughs> Trial and error.
1: Oh, I don't know that one.
0: Michael Richards. Jeff Daniels and Michael Richards. And she is in that movie. She did better acting in that movie than she did in this movie.
1: I know that she's one of those actresses that is either horrible or brilliant. Or on point. <laughs> so, like, obviously Mad Max. Perfect in Mad Max. Brilliant.
0: Actually, that's her personality as well, from what I've heard from people <laughs> who absolutely know.
1: Yeah, probably. Well, like
0: from what I hear, like it's it should not be shocking that she dated Sean Penn.
1: Right, <laughs> and then obviously the other end of the spectrum, she was in the Italian job and Hancock, and yes, like.
0: <laughs> well, oh, the oh, well, Hancock was awesome. Well, let's see. I I, I
1: enjoyed Hancock. I didn't like her.
0: No, <laughs> and how many movies have you said that about Charlie Sarant? Where you enjoyed the movie, but not her.
1: I honestly can't tell you that because she's one of those people I kind of have faith blindness for. So <laughs> I couldn't. I don't know how many films I've seen that she's actually in.
0: Because you get tired of her, so you just kind of blend her in with like Scarlett Johansson. Yeah. But oh, speaking of Mad Max, <laughs> don't you love like the uh, dollar store Tom Hardy in this movie? Me? Yeah,
1: it's, uh, it's <laughs> one of the one of the few things that's not too bad about the film, I think.
0: Oh, okay. By the way, with Numi Rapace, who I like, but it does say something that she really hasn't been in a whole lot of English English language features other than this. Yeah. The trivia said the Swedish actress Numi Rapace worked on set with a dialect coach to help her achieve the closest accent she could manage.
1: <laughs> That's rude. Well, I mean, it's... But true. I, I guess. Although, uh, I I did look something up. If this is the person I'm thinking of, she is actually fluent in about four languages. And English is one of them. So it's kind of... Interesting that they needed her to have an actual dialect when she speaks fluent English anyway. <laughs> you think they were so just trying to keep it?
0: Well, so maybe the dialect coach like talked her into a bad accent. Maybe. Oh, <laughs> apparently Charlize was originally cast as Elizabeth Shaw. Yeah.
1: And um. she could only
0: be there because she was filming some. Maybe it was Mad Max because of something else. Maybe that's maybe that's why she seems so pissed off the whole time.
1: Wait, didn't Mad Max come out like two years after Prometheus?
0: Uh, yeah, but didn't it take forever to film it?
1: I guess so. <laughs> if she, I was... mean, I,
0: I just, I'm just spitballing here.
1: No, yeah, she, I, mean... <laughs> I
0: mean, it would make sense. And apparently, she was like really like traumatized by working with um, Tom Hardy. <laughs> It was actually um, allegedly he's method, but he's lovely. Um,
1: yeah, he's I've, heard, I've heard nothing but good things about Tom Hardy.
0: But uh, I mean, maybe that's it. Maybe that, but that explains why she was so wooden and angry.
1: What you mean? In everything I just don't she does? get
0: why they even bothered casting Guy Pearce.
1: Yeah, I mean he he just does random stuff.
0: But he that's- played a bigger role in the viral marketing campaign than he did in the movie.
1: True. Uh,
0: I almost feel like it would have been better as like if it was James Woods or somebody.
1: That could work. I James suppose. Woods is
0: a son of a bitch.
1: Uh, <laughs> James Woods is fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> he plays my favorite villain of all time, which I'm going to try and have you guess which one that is.
0: Oh, uh, I'm uh, well. I'm just thinking of um that one where it was about Meg Evers. Nope. It's Alec Baldwin.
1: <laughs> nope, not
0: that. Uh, he played a real life evil guy there.
1: What? Yeah, I know I know that he's everything I've seen him in, I, I like him in, but my favorite role of his, by far is Hades.
0: In what movie?
1: Hercules. Oh, God. The 97 Disney film. Oh, He no. kills it as Hades. <laughs>
0: <laughs> he kills it as any villain, which is why, okay, do you agree? He would have been amazing.
1: Oh, he would have been fantastic. However, the only issue is you would have instantly known he was a bad guy. (laughs) Whereas there's supposed to be some sort of... uh, No, well,
0: no. I feel like he'd know. Okay, have Guy... Guy Pierce, like, I mean, if somebody had went to shit, like from old age or whatever, or end Bad Habit, he could ostensibly look like uh, James Woods with some makeup. Like yeah. gone from Guy Pearce to James mm-hmm. Woods. There are enough facial similarities where you could
1: pull it off. Yeah, definitely. It, it would have been... that. Well, that could have been nice then. You could have seen Guy Pierce's younger and then yes. Woods is older. Okay.
0: Instead, you're looking at like, oh, hey, Guy Pearce under like five layers of makeup.
1: Okay, that kind of covers the last question I would have had about this then, which is, how would you fix it? And obviously so far <laughs> I we've... Was just going
0: to say, we just fixed the movie. Yeah,
1: basically we needed to replace older Guy Pierce with James Wood. We needed to get Ridley Scott's son to direct it instead. and then
0: getting well, d- the to direct the sequel is good enough for
1: me. Right. And then somehow have Idris Elba live and just replace Charlie Theron entirely. And then, yep. And then we've pretty much solved it. I mean, I I was fine with a little bit sure she was.
0: I uh, like Numi Rapace. I do. I did like her in that. Yeah. But I, I, but I'm also tired of like the female, the lead female and the infertility thing. I'm kind of tired of that. Like, <laughs> I don't know. Whatever. I guess I mean I guess that's maybe going back to the whole thing about the engineers and light, the origin of life in general. But I don't know. On the series Outlander, it's actually, it turns out it's the man, and not the woman. Right. And that's the reason she never got pregnant. Maybe it's just easier to explain. I don't know. Um, I
1: and mean, definitely for a film like this, it doesn't really matter. They just. Well, oh,
0: but they kind of treat it like it does, though. <laughs> like the whole thing about reproduction does matter. This
1: well, and she's—if I'm remembering correctly—she's supposed to be in Ferta or sterile right. or something and on their lives. Like, oh, and then she's like, "Oh my god, she's pregnant!" And that's that's supposed to be, I guess, the roller coaster—is she's pregnant? Hooray! Oh no like it, it's not a good pregnancy
0: well and that's actually like the whole the whole argument with like creating an android that if you create an android that's human but not quite fully there yet you're basically creating an indestructible sociopath yeah. because that's what he does he like drops stuff in there to see what's going to happen
1: yeah pretty much. And, and he
0: creates chaos to see what's going to happen
1: well he has an ulterior directive, I think, is the big problem there. And obviously you're not supposed to realise that until what, like three quarters of the way through the film. Which I think a lot of people then think, Oh, well, now when you rewatch it it'll all make sense and it still doesn't <laughs> it still does just look like he's just going <laughs> Meh, whatever.
0: He's pushing over the domino. <laughs>
1: Yeah, and now for whatever reason I had that scene in Robots where it's the, uh, the, the Mel Brooks robot oh, has been God. setting up all those dominoes. <laughs>
0: Doesn't Isn't there... Everything can be like brought back to a Mel Brooks movie.
1: Well, yeah, just because you don't want to talk about this one. Or not? Let's. How about we just talk about Blade and Saddles first? <laughs> <laughs> all right, well, no. We, unfortunately, we don't have time for that, so... Uh, I think we've basically reached uh, a nice consensus here of everyone needs to go and watch Sunshine and don't watch Prometheus and maybe watch the sequel, possibly.
0: Possibly, yeah. If, <laughs> if if the trailer for the sequel piques your interest, go ahead and watch Prometheus, but with our warning.
1: Yes, yes just uh, bear in mind that you're probably not going to enjoy it. Right. <laughs> <laughs> You're going to be
0: frustrated at the least.
1: Yeah, and the only thing I can think of is that maybe people that haven't seen the original Aliens will enjoy Prometheus more.
0: Oh, no. I I just think, in general, it's just garbage.
1: Oh, I agree. No, 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 not
0: garbage. You know what? No, no. Okay, my whole point about this is that it's not a garbage movie. It's so just mediocre and full of potential that it refuses to reach
1: yeah that that is the big problem with this film it's especially, so American that way yeah, <laughs> yeah it, especially having seen the Aliens film and then you see this one and you're like oh it's actually a prequel to the whole thing and it's just like it didn't feel like that at all it just... well
0: that's why he refused to say it was a prequel <laughs>
1: Yeah, I, I believe he said something along the lines of it has similar, uh, like, DNA? similar DNA, I think it was, yeah, but it's not a direct prequel, at which point you say, well, that doesn't make any sense, but okay.
0: That's when you say bye, Ridley.
1: Yeah, pretty much. Just, <laughs> just you, you go bye bye now. Uh, <laughs> 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 All right, well... Thank you very much for coming on and doing this. Thank you
0: for having me very much.
1: <laughs> no problem. Uh, so why don't you tell everyone where they can find you?
0: Uh, you can find me uh, pretty much uh, every week. Uh, we release our episodes on Thursdays um, for our Soiled Restroom Cinema podcast. Yes. And you can also find me on Twitter at uh, KelToTheLean, K E L I L E A N. To the L E A N (laughs) at Twitter. (laughs)
1: Yeah, yeah, I was going to say, it seemed like you were slightly messing up your own (laughs) Twitter handle. (laughs) I'm
0: stressed out from this terrible
1: movie. (laughs) Ah, that's right. Aren't we all? All right. So, yes, do go check her out there and do check out the Saw of Russian Cinema podcast. It is a lot of fun to just rip into those bad films and unfortunately they have had me on to do the same thing so
0: (laughs) unfortunately paul is especially astute at ripping apart adam sandler films
1: so it's not that uh, i wanted to be is that that's what i feel
0: bad because you're so good at it because every time honor says we need to have paul and i'm like you're no that's not fair to him
1: (laughs) yeah i I think I might have to put my foot down for this. actually
0: i think I think you deserve a request
1: <laughs> well, I'll look into it I'll see. Sure. <laughs> right, so so yeah do do go check them out there and as always, you can get a hold of us as well on twitter facebook Blockbusters, we're there email us blokebuster at gmail dot com we're on instagram, not much, but we're there. And we have our website, blokebusters.webs.com. And one more time, thank you very much, Kayleen, for doing this.
0: Thank you so much for having me, Paul.
1: No problem. All right. Bye-bye. Have a good night.